Finding a Table. This is Demystified, solving DM mysteries in 20 minutes or less, because the only hard part is scheduling the next session. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Joey. And I'm Asaf. And today, we're going to talk about how to find a table. This is possibly the second most asked question in D&D, besides how do I roll up a barbarian, is how do I find players? How can I find people to sit with? I've heard it so many times, and the answer is unsatisfyingly vague and it depends yeah you, it's a hard one it's a hard question to answer yes it's very situational yes and also i want to preface that finding a table with players is very different than finding the table with your players right and it you know it requires you to be social <laughs> yes which is something that a lot of folks may like. shy away from exactly i will say one of the biggest challenges nowadays is because of the scope of the internet and how people can connect people almost don't acknowledge the person like the in-person side of finding tables Mm -hmm. like back in the day you found a table because you knew a guy who played at a table and brought you in or you frequented i call them nerd stores you frequented a nerd store and someone would post about an open spot but those were oftentimes the beginner tables. Most of the time, the no-guy stories were by invitation only. My first D&D like, in-person game, I went to a comic book shop. I was looking. I asked, are there any D&D tables? And they were like, oh, we have games in the store on such and such a day. I think there's an opening. You check the board over there. And there was like a little slip of like message this person or call this person or something like that. And I showed up and there were, it was an established game and there was one spot that I could join in. But that was after going to two other comic book shops where they're like, we got no openings right at their tables. And I was like, this sucks. <laughs> and then when I finally got invited to a home game for that group, it was a group who everyone else there had been playing for years. almost a year together. A couple of them years and a couple were less than a year. But I was the new guy who was like, I'm just learning D&D. Bro. <laughs> yeah. My first time DMing or playing D&D was back in third edition. And I just I had friends that I played Neverwinter Nights with. And we decided we wanted to... People in who played Neverwinter Nights, they always talked about pen and paper. Right. Pen and paper game. And I really wanted to know what the pen and paper game was like. Yes. So we decided we went to the store. We bought the books. We got a bunch of minis. And... We went back to the house. I was the DM in Neverwinter Nights, so I was the DM sure. in D&D, and we started in a tavern. Started in a tavern, they had some shenanigans, some goblins rolled up, they fought them, and then they decided to be murder hobos and went around the country that I was making up as we played, just killing people and stealing their stuff. Right. Yes, that can happen. Sometimes it's a good thing. But at the same time, how often would you guys say that you show up to tables and it doesn't work for you. Oh, God. You know, I've been very lucky with D&D groups. My groups that I play, well, my first group that I started playing 5th edition with, I luckily just happened to fall into because I had a friend who had a group mm-hmm. and they asked me to play. And when I moved here, I was looking to start a game in person. And to do that, I went on Facebook. I went online. There's a big D&D group online. They directed me to a smaller D&D group that is local. 
and from there i was able to find people to play with yeah my experience and i've played at groups most of them failed tragically in some way yeah. you know when i was a player come in we'd start playing we'd have a grand old time and then maybe the dm moved away I started playing in my 20s like yeah. very early 20s fourth edition yeah i started in fourth edition but we started playing and you know the dm would move away or a couple of the players would move away this is the age when people are moving everywhere yeah or the dm would want to bring in their girlfriend and then that was too many players and then some people had to leave and that just caused all sorts of ruckus. Even before the age of playing online, the games would not last very long. There was one group that I, I still talk with. There were friends of mine that lived down in South Florida and you know I moved away because reasons, but I played at their house. They're still playing the game that they were playing when I left. Right. They're now like level 20 with boons and they're oh. like, yeah, it's crazy. So the magic was you leaving. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> I guess. No, but they were a lot of fun to play with and it was a good cohesive group. But that was not the norm for my experience right. where sometimes or most of the time the group of people that get, get together, they have fun. But for some reason, like life gets in the way. Yeah. The I've never had your experience. Yeah, my, my default expectation is that a campaign is going to fall apart before it hits session six. I always plan that it will go beyond that point, but if it falls apart before session six, I'm not disappointed. So, dear listener, don't be disappointed if your first couple of campaigns fail to take off. That is perfectly normal. Yeah. Just keep trying, keep looking for people, yep. and the right people will show up. And come, and the people who want to play will be there, and they'll play. Make a note of people that you get along with, people who enjoy the types of games that you enjoy, and then you may eventually be able to form that house game when you know enough people. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, for your first time DMing, don't expect that the people you sit down with are going to be a good fit. Right. And the game is going to go on forever. The whole point is, since it's your first time DM and you're going to screw up and things are going to go wrong and you're, you might not understand what you're taking on or you might plan too much and get stressed out. Whatever reason, your game might fall apart. Right. Try again. Maybe with some of those same players. Maybe with different players. My philosophy is the game must go on. Right. Like even if some people don't show up, I mean, if it's the same people constantly are canceling then keep playing without them. All right. So I wanted to take some time and talk about the different ways to find tables that are available now. In this modern age, we are coming out of a wave of COVID, Omicron to be precise. So dear future listeners, when COVID is, I don't know what it's going to be in the future, but we are coming out of two years of quarantine on and off in waves and self-isolation. So D&D Online has really seen a renaissance and a huge upswing over the past couple of years. Yeah. Virtual tabletops have made it really possible. Yes. I wanted to talk a little bit about the positives of, of online as well as what are you missing out on? Well, I can say that one of the things that I really miss out on is when you sit down at a table, you get a lot of player-to-player -player talk, and you get a lot of player-to-DM talk, and they can happen at the same time. Right. With online stuff, you can't really have separate channels where that talk can happen, where the DM can kind of still listen at the side of his 
ear and, and still pick up on stuff but not right. be part of it yeah that plus uh big zoom conference call energy oh did you uh no uh, uh no, no you go you go i'll stop no you go <laughs> yeah there's a lot more energy in an in-person game right you know but the upswing is the availability yeah you can play with people that are far away mm-hmm. yeah there are different virtual tabletops not all of the features are required. I have played a D&D session, a couple of D&D sessions with nothing more than a Discord voice chat if your players are up for it. Mm. Everyone kept track of their own dice rolls and character sheets. We had a Discord agent to mediate important dice rolls so that way everyone could share in the experience. But yeah, it was an entertaining, but again, big Zoom energy. Best experience I ever had playing an online game was using fantasy grounds i mean mm. we used discord for voice and video fantasy grounds is great it's it's expensive but it has like, every, everything's built in everything's automated you can see the dice rolls and it's you target the enemies it, it does everything automatically like right. you target the enemies make your attacks rolls everything the dm doesn't even have to no one has to calculate anything you see everything happen on screen it's right. pretty awesome okay yeah also, Tailspire is another piece of software that's coming out where you can move your figurines around. And also... Boundary's a good one. I've used that one. Yes. Virtual ta- tabletop. Yes, yes. Although you can host those yourself as well. So it is a little bit techier where you need to stand up a server. I think Fantasy yeah. Grounds is the same way too. Right. Yeah. It's um, on your machine. It's not on the internet. Yeah. And then there are platforms like Roll20. It's probably the easiest. The easiest to get started, but it's also very pricey. Because yeah. if you buy Xanathar's Guide, in order to import the Xanathar's Guide goodies and upgrades, you need to buy it on Roll20. That's where they make their money. Well, isn't Fantasy Grounds the same thing where you have to buy the individual books? Yeah. Yeah. Fantasy Grounds is the same thing. However, I know in Fantasy Grounds, we were able to import our characters with all their features and everything from D&D Beyond. Right. Which is another online resource that's focused really on managing character sheets and then rolling roles based off of those character sheets. Yeah. It's getting a lot more advanced now. It's got the encounter builder. The encounter builder now tracks players HP, tracks death saving throws, it tracks initiative. Mm-hmm. DM can use it to track the monster HP and pretty soon they're going to be having conditions tracked on there as well. Right. The only thing it doesn't do is the actual tabletop, right? Yeah. Yeah, but there are extensions that you can get to make D&D Beyond work with Roll20 and other virtual tabletops like Foundry. And there is also an extension that applies a virtual tabletop to D&D Beyond. I have not used that yet. It sounds cool. I don't know much about it, though. Right. Mm. So there are a bunch of platforms out there. I just want to throw a disclaimer out there. Tabletop Simulator, great for board games, terrible for D&D. Ironically, I have heard people run games in Tabletop Simulator, but they almost universally move off of it onto a platform that is more geared for what it is. I That's mean, yeah. a shame because I think Tabletop Simulator allows you to import Hero Forge yeah. uh, minis, colored ones in there. Min- minis and it has VR support. So if you want to have your players sitting around a campfire that you put together as a DM for them talking in character. That is possible in Tabletop Simulator. The problem is that coming back out to do character sheet lookups and rule checks is really clunky. Getting back to the topic at hand, though, like finding the group, these online tools make it really easy. Yes. You still got to get to the finding the players. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. So as a DM, 
a good tool to find players, there's a website called Start Playing. You can make a DM profile, and you can try to find players that way. The only problem is you need to have people play on the platform with you and have them write reviews after they played, and then you'll be listed. Mm. But that's also a good way for players to find a DM as well. So there is a, it's a platform that has a little bit of gatekeeping involved. Yeah. To make sure that you're not going to drop into a table that's going to be abandoned. But my experience mostly in finding tables has been through Facebook, actually. Right. More than anything, is just looking for the local game shop, local game group, and saying, I want to play a game. I want to DM. And the forever DM, they joke about it. Right. It's the player who's like, I'm willing to DM. I just want to play D&D. And it's like being a drummer. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you advertise that you're going to be a DM and you're looking for players, players are going to try to flock to you. It's just a matter yeah. of finding the right ones. Yeah. Yeah. Where as a DM, you are in control of or should be in control of who gets to sit at your table who has inputs into your story that you're going to tell so as a dm there's also options that are less personal in terms of the amount of control you have adventure league or just hosting at a game shop yeah i i dm'd adventure league for a while which is actually Something that I would recommend to a lot of DMs is if your game shop does Adventures League, you go there. If you say you want a DM, they will give you the current Adventure League adventure. So you don't need to do all of that prep. They're basically saying this is the adventure you're playing. You just got to the players are coming in. Play this adventure for as many hours as we have. It's usually like three or four. You still got to like read through it and understand you can't just like sit down and not have looked at it. But it saves you that portion. If you're a first time DM, planning the adventure is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. This cuts that part out and it gives you players at the table who want to play this adventure. Right. Like it's pre-built in. So if you're in a situation where you've never DM'd before, playing Adventure League, being a DM at Adventures League at your local game shop might be a really good option. Cool. Yeah. And I know that you stopped playing Adventures League because you wanted to spin up a table of your own that you had more say over, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because one of the challenges with Adventures League is it has to be on the day of Adventure League play at the shop and it has to be an open table. So any player who comes in, like now there's seat limits, so there's not going to they're not going to stick you with 20 players. But when a player comes in and wants to play... If there's a spot there's at your table, they're sitting at your table. Right. There are those downsides of if you're not comfortable playing or being a DM for people you've never met before, it can be really overwhelming. Right. But it does give you that benefit of like, I don't need to find people. Right. They're coming to me. And the upside is that you meet a lot of people. The only downside is you meet a lot of people. Yeah. And just as a little bit of a disclaimer, I'm not going to sweep under the rug the sheer amount of ugly stories that come out of doing D&D with randos. Mm -hmm. Just beware that there is a chance that if you are someone who is not a white dude, they may hold that against you sometimes. That is very rare, though. And it is in the past. But if that comes up, it is not okay, and it is okay to excuse yourself and try to find enjoyment elsewhere. I've had to actually remove a couple players when I was Adventure League DMing because they were saying things to other players that was not okay. Right. 
And as a DM, you're kind of the de facto leader of this social circle. If something isn't going right, you have the power to say something about it. And for the sake of your players, because it's a two-way street of trust, you should. Yeah. And as a final question, I understand that we all have friends. Most of us have friends. Some of us have friends. Even fewer of us have friends who like to play D&D. So even if you have friends, you may not be able to get them to play D&D. Are there any other ways that you've heard of people snagging a table besides signing up online, going on Facebook, meeting up with friends, walking into a game shop? Family. Family? <laughs> I mean, Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, I showed up one time. I went to go visit my parents in New York and my aunt and my grandmother were up there. And I was like, let's play D&D. <laughs> How did it go? Oh, it went really well. My grandmother still talks about it. She, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, she's really, you know, excited about her javelins that she threw and <laughs> that she still has. Has she continued with that character at all? No, it was a one-time thing. Oh, okay. It was a lot of fun. Okay. Oh, um, good. The other one is to grow your own. Yeah. <laughs> Start with your kids, yeah. which is another episode in and of itself. Yeah. I think if you wanted to play with family, I think the biggest thing is... Simply start talking about D&D and seeing how they react. Right. If they're open-minded to the conversations that you have, if they seem even interested. Because a couple of my family members, you couldn't convince them to play D&D no matter what. No. Right. D&D, sadly, is not for everybody. No. I tried playing D&D with my mother-in-law, and she made my wife cry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I apologize for laughing, but that is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> that was one mystery demystified. This was Demystified. If you liked it, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a review or share this with your friends. Our website is demystified.com. Just the letter D, mystified.com. Do you have a question for us? Reach out via our Twitter handle at Pickled Wizards or ask on Facebook at Pickled Wizards. Same page. We might talk about your problem here.